really quickly, I want to be a part of a thankful church, and so I want to express my thanks to Jim and Donna Morris. They set up the, the potluck that we're all going to enjoy later. I know that it's uh, a lot of, of effort and logistics, and um, I really appreciate them taking care of it and doing such a spectacular job. They're probably out in the cafeteria getting set up, but they can probably hear us if we give them a hand, so thank you. And I know that they weren't alone in doing it, that they have a ton of people behind the scenes helping out. So if you were one of those people, thank you very much. We're all going to have a wonderful afternoon because of you all. When I was a toddler, not unlike the toddler that you hear speaking every now and again, who's mine? When I was a toddler, I went to church because it's what my family did. And as a toddler, I had very little control over what I did or where I went. Now, I could control how my parents felt about what, where we were, but that's another thing entirely. Then, that continued through the early elementary age. Around about second grade, my church did a thing called Bible Bowl. It was a children's program where you had to memorize things about the Bible, you would be quizzed weekly on those things about the Bible, and you competed against other teams through those quizzes and through playing games. That was great for a 10-year-old boy. So for a while, I went to church because it was just so much fun and because I loved my Sunday school teachers. In middle and high school, I went to church because my friends were at church. Sometimes I went in search of connecting with God's spirit. In college, I went to church to try to find meaning and acceptance. And from time to time, because a girl I liked went to church. Just, just being honest. Now I come to church to encounter the truths of God and to celebrate the presence of God in community. There are many different reasons that people come to church. Some might come out of a sense of obligation to family. Some might come out of a sense of duty either to God or because that's what one does if one is a good person and a good citizen. Some, of you, some people come to church because they want their kids to come to church. We might come for community or to see our friends. We might come to experience God's Holy Spirit. And I'm sure it's a combination of many of these things. And really, really, we're all here for the donuts. A number of things happen when we come to church. Church invites us and asks us to do a number of different things. And each of these things do something to us. Oftentimes, we don't talk about what is happening, what is going on, and why we ask you to do the things that we do in church. Why do we ask you to come to worship? Why do we ask you to pray? Why, oh, why do we talk so much about small groups? What do all of these things do for us? For the next six weeks, we are going to talk about how the things we do as a church function for us. We're going to talk about the benefits of worship, of prayer, of small groups, of giving, and of mission. We are going to talk about how these things actually practically benefit your life. And they do this in a couple different ways. The first way is therapeutic and that these things are actually healthy for us. They are healing for us. Spoiler alert, prayer is one of the best things that you can do for your brain. Science has done studies on this. 
putting aside any theological or formational benefit, prayer is psychologically beneficial for your brain. Now, the second way these things benefit us is formationally. These actions help form us as people. They are habits that help retrain us in love to love the right things. And the last way is theological. These, th- these are things that put us in step with God, that help us tap into God's presence, which is in itself a good thing. But before we go any further, how about some scripture? Hebrews chapter 10 printed in your lifeline, displayed on the screen behind me. And if you don't have a Bible but would like a Bible, we have them available in our welcome area absolutely for free. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This passage is a beautifully deep argument for being a part of a church. Included within it are the three different reasons people come to church that I briefly outlined. Therapeutic, formational, and theological. I want to expand upon those But unfortunately, the order that I want to go in is not the order that the scripture goes in. So are you okay, dear friends, dear, dear friends, are you okay if I go in my order and we jumble the scripture a bit? All right. I wrote down, hope they say yes. I don't know what I would have done if you'd said no. That would have been a funny joke, though. The first reason I want, uh, the, the first way that church benefits us is therapeutic. We come to church for therapeutic reasons. Verse 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Today, as I'm sure you're aware, is the 15th anniversary of the devastating terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001. I was a sophomore in high school at the time I remember being at school and my Latin teacher was sick with worry over her son who worked in the World Trade Center. I remember friends and classmates crying in the hallways because their parents worked at the Pentagon and they couldn't get through to them. I remember the hurt. I remember the pain. I remember the sadness. I remember the fear. I remember the terror that gripped our communities. Some of you in this room, I'm sure, had friends and co-workers and loved ones who were killed or hurt in those attacks. Some of you in this room might have served in Afghanistan as a result of those attacks or in other operations as a part of our war on terror. And your stories are more important, your remembrances are more powerful than my story and my remembrance of that day. But one thing that I do remember 
one thing I remember is that in the wake of those attacks, we all went to church. We were lost. We were hurting. We were afraid. And we went to church. We went to church to be comforted. We went to church to connect. We went to church to mourn. We went to church to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. We went to church in the hope that the God who promised to end violence, to end suffering, to end death, the God who promised joy and peace and happiness, that same God would be faithful even in our hurt and pain. We came to be healed through participation in the hope of eternal life. We came to be comforted in the joy of resurrection. We came to, be, to connect with the God who makes all things new. And we still do that today. Part of why we come to church, whether in moments of personal tragedy or national tragedy, moments of our greatest joys or the immense ground in between, we go to church to be comforted, to be uplifted, and to be healed. We come to church to feel something. We come to get in touch with the Spirit of God, the grace of God. We come to connect with each other and feel like we are a part of something bigger. We come seeking joy and peace and happiness. We come to renew our hope. We come to leave here refreshed and renewed. So as we ask the broad question of why church, the first answer is to feel better. I think that church can help us feel better about the trials and, and hardships of life. Church can help bond us together, bond us to God, and give us a sense of hope, a sense of this too shall pass, a sense of we can do this. If you're looking for that, if you're looking for therapeutic uplifting, then why not give church a chance? The second reason we come to church is formational. Verses 24 and 25 say, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This verse connects meeting together, coming to church with spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. This verse makes it clear that there's a relationship between the two. And this is how I think they are linked. There is a growing school of philosophy that says that human beings are ultimately motivated deep down by love. We seek to gain the things we love. We seek to attract the things we love. We seek to satisfy the things we love. They say that love is the most basic human stimulus. The school then wants to talk about the Christian life in terms of love as well. Sin becomes loving the wrong things, namely loving ourselves more than we love God or other people. When we talk about sanctification, when we talk about growth in grace and righteousness, what we are really talking about is a reforming of what we love. How does this happen? How do we train ourselves to love the right things? Through forming new habits. Habits are the things that reveal what we really love. But how do we form new habits, especially when habits are actions carried out on a subconscious level? Through ritual practice. Ritual practices are those things we do that are intentional, repeated, and filled with meaning. When we pray, when we sing together, when we study scripture together, 
These things are practices that help us build new habits. They help us look to others with a loving disposition more regularly. They open us to God and to the world. Coming to church gives you the practices you need in order to train your mind and your soul to love aright. Lastly, we come to church for theological reasons. The first part of the section from Hebrews says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Simply put, we come here to meet God. We come here to encounter Jesus Christ. We come here to enter God's holy place and be enveloped by God's Holy Spirit. When we talk about theological reasons, though, we leave the practical world behind. We are talking about reasons that are based on faith, that can't be fully proven, and things you can only discover through experience. Have you ever been singing a worship song and felt your spirit caught up in something greater than you? Have you ever celebrated communion and had the sacrifice of Christ made so present to you that it brought you to tears? Have you ever prayed and known deep down that God was there? We come to church in the hopes that we might have one of those experiences. We come to church knowing that those experiences are possible, and we come to church because this is the place where the Spirit of God is. In this series, we are going to talk about a lot of practical rational, provable things that church does for us. But we also have to acknowledge that first and foremost, we are here for spiritual reasons. We are here for faith. We are here to experience a grace and a God that aren't empirically proven. And we want to experience as much of that grace as possible while also talking about the practical and the rational. In order to do that, we're going to celebrate communion every Sunday of this series. We want to do this to open our hearts and ourselves to the grace and presence of God in the most profound way we have been given. In Holy Communion, we believe that Christ is made present to us in a special way, unlike any other way we have of experiencing God. We believe that the grace of God nourishes us for our spiritual journeys, and that reality is made concrete as we are nourished by the bread and juice. We believe that in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup that God is here. The past of Christ's sacrifice is made present. And the future hope of our eternal life with God breaks into the now. So for the next six weeks, we are going to celebrate communion with each other and with God. We're also going to make one other change during the sermon series. But first, let me warn you. One of these sermons is going to be about giving, about money. We're going to talk about the practical benefits of giving money to the church, which sounds ridiculous, I know, but give me a chance. Because I'm convinced that giving and tithing can help benefit us therapeutically and formationally. The Bible tells us that we are to tithe. We are to give one-tenth of what we have to God. And I think there's real-world wisdom in there. 
And that doing that makes us more appreciative of what we have, makes us more generous, and turns us from a mindset of scarcity to one of abundance. But there's also something theological about giving, and it relates to our celebration of communion. In the traditional communion liturgy, there is a line that connects the gifts of bread and juice, our other offerings to God, our lives, and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In some churches, the bread and the, the wine or the juice are brought in from the back, signifying that, the, that these gifts are offerings of the people to God. And often this is connected in some way with the financial offering that the church has just taken up. What this is meant to signify is the connection between Jesus, the communion elements, and our lives as disciples. Jesus offered his body and blood to God on the cross, and through that, God accomplishes the salvation of the world. We offer to God simple bread and juice, which God takes and makes a profound experience of his grace. We offer to God our tithes and offerings, the fruits of our labor, in the sure hope that God can take them and use them through the church to accomplish miracles. And we offer to God our lives in the sure hope that God can take them and make something truly beautiful out of them. Jesus offers his body to God, and God fills Christ with the Holy Spirit and raises him from the dead. We offer to God the bread and juice, and God fills them with the Holy Spirit to make them a means of grace for us. We offer to God our money, hoping that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will use it to work miracles. And we offer to God our lives, hoping to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. All of this is wrapped up together. So to try to experience this theological, this mystical aspect of giving, we are going to have a basket in the front of the auditorium so that as you come forward to receive communion, you can bring forward your own gifts to God. You can bring an offering of money to God. You can bring your green connection card to signify the offering of your life to God. On your green card, you can write a prayer And you can bring that prayer to God. Or as you come forward, you can speak a commitment to God, a commitment to serve, a commitment to be faithful, spoken in your heart with the basket there meant to signify its connection with the commitment of Christ. Now, we'll still have one in the back if you prefer to use that one. And we won't judge you if you don't make use of either basket. This is not a communion tax or some sort of entry fee you need to pay to come to the table. Jesus has paid that already. But if you wish to make an offering to God and to this church, this is an opportunity for it to be connected and caught up in Christ's offering for us. And it's an opportunity to experience a new dimension of giving. So I hope that you will join us for this journey of discovering everything that church can be for your life. I hope you'll discover all that God can do for you through the church. But most of all, Most of all, I hope that you'll encounter Jesus truly and profoundly in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup, and that you will offer your life to him so that God's spirit can animate your life and your soul in unimaginably unimaginably beautiful ways. Let us pray. Almighty and all-living God, you have called us to this place. You have called us here so that we can encounter you. We can encounter your love and grace and so be transformed by it. 
Help us to, to notice all the things that you are doing to our hearts and to our souls in this place. Help us notice the many ways that your spirit is healing us, transforming us. And help us to go from this place and tell others about the profound love that they can find in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.